Hello, and welcome to the How to Make a Podcast podcast. My name is Casey Ruff from Boundless Body LLC, and I am the host of Boundless Body Radio. Before October of 2020, I was not a podcaster. Now, I have recorded hundreds of episodes featuring incredible guests, created tons of helpful content, and have consistently generated thousands of downloads every month since I began. I'm just a regular dude trying to share a message, and now I'm ready to show you my process, my successes and failures, and everything I've learned along the way to help you start your own podcast. Together, we'll explore the entire process of having a podcasting idea and take it all the way to publishing your first episode and explore all the steps in between. Then, I'll give you all the tools that you will need so you can record as many episodes that you want to release after that. Podcasting is one of the most enriching skills I've ever added to my life, and I've learned a ton by talking with some of my heroes and sharing it with anyone who wants to join us on our journey. So, sit back, grab a notebook, take some notes, and welcome to the How to Make a Podcast podcast. Hey, hey, this is Casey Ruff, and welcome to episode 25 of season two. Today, we are speaking with Connor DeLynn. Connor is a speaker, entrepreneur, content creator, and thought leader. He is the host of the Millennial in the Middle podcast and the owner of a beautiful podcasting space called Studio, which serves as the home base for Connor's podcast and a gathering place for thought leaders and experts, where we are actually recording on site today. Connor yes, DeLynn. So cool. <laughs> Welcome to the How to Make a Podcast podcast. Hey, thanks so much. It's fun to be here and it's fun to be, I'm like, I'm in the hot seat, but a different hot That's seat. That's right. The interviewee, not the interviewer. That's right. That's right. I've heard a few interviews that you've been hosted on and you're a tremendous guest. I also think you're a wonderful host and we'll talk about that a little bit thanks. more. And it is nice to just kind of show up as the guest and just kind of tell your story. You don't have to necessarily research your own background. I've spent zero minutes prepping for this podcast, <laughs> so let's roll. Yeah. Perfect. It's great. For, for the person who is listening and not watching this, we'll have yeah. this on YouTube, but for the person who's listening, where are we? This is amazing. Yeah. So uh, we're at Studio. We're, we call it Studio at Silicon Slopes because we're right in Lehigh off the freeway, right in the middle of this tech scene. And, and it's funny because I actually run a tech company. That's my day job. Yep. And my passion as a creator has been in content and helping people share messages and get that content out there, especially in today's world. Like we have so many more opportunities to reach people, but the way to do that is good quality content. And so for myself, like I saw this huge difference of just starting the podcast where I was, I decided to step it up. Like I, I want it to be videoed. I want it to look good. I connected with an awesome creator, Landon, by the way, who's a great uh, videographer and producer. We built a studio in his basement. And as we did, we had all these people reach out to us, go, that looks so good. Where are you? How do we do this? Can we rent this space? And Landon's wife's like, we can't have people coming in and out of our basement <laughs> all the call. time doing podcasts. So anyway, it was one of those green light situations where we said, let's, let's find a spot. One fell in our lap and now we're sitting in a almost 7,000 square foot building that used to look like an old dorky office space that now has multiple recording rooms, an infinity wall. We host live networking events here and uh, it's been a really fun experiment. So that's amazing. That's where we are. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. You use the word green lights. Um, are you referring to Matthew McConaughey's book? It's one of my... All right, dude, all right, all right. Dude, so good. <laughs> I will submit that it's a fantastic book, but you have to listen. You 
have to get oh, it on 100%. audiobook because the way he tells that story is just amazing. I've heard it a few times. It's so good. Can I add to that, though? Please. I think you need to listen to it, then buy the book and read it. Because one, it's crazy. You will find yourself reading it and inside your voice, you'll hear Matthew yes, McConaughey's voice. But there are some cool like pictures and anecdotes in there because there were so many like one-liners in there for me that I saw that I'm like, I've got to remember that. For me, the line that just stuck with me more than anything else, we're going to geek out on Matthew McConaughey right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Is when he, he's in, you know, he's in school and he calls his dad and he basically tells the story that he decided he wanted to go to film school. His dad was a traditional conservative guy that, you know, he didn't necessarily think he was going to be that supportive of that. He tells his dad, there's this long pause, the way he explains it. And his dad says, don't half-ass it. <laughs> And that was all he needed. Like that was the permission. And I, I think in life, like that was something that I try to apply. Like if you're going to do something, don't have asset. Go yeah. for it and make a difference. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, between green lights and uh, the play Hamilton, I feel okay. like we could jive on all of that all day. My favorite yeah, play. Let, let's not go there. It's <laughs> an orphan bastard, son of a whore. No, we won't do that <laughs> That's today. right. That's right. Well, it was interesting. Um, you know, the guests that we have on the show are people that I vetted out. Typically, mm -hmm. we host them on our primary podcast, which is Balanced Body Radio. Sure. And we'll host them here as well if they create content or have a podcast. I learned about you just a few days ago. Yeah. And within about five minutes of learning that you existed and what you were doing, <laughs> I sent you a message and said, wow, like, can I come check out your place? And I would love to host you on my show sure. without vetting you out at all. So after that, I started vetting you out and I found your podcast, Millennial in the Middle. Mm -hmm. And I pulled up the content. And I started reading the episode titles yeah. and I thought to myself, what have I done? Oh my goodness. What have I done? It's politics, politicians, names that make me either happy or not happy. <laughs> and I'm getting angry at myself. Like, Oh no, like this is going to be all political. Yeah. And, and I look back at that and, and see the self judgment mm -hmm. in myself of like, you know, I'm already judging your content based yeah. on the names that I'm seeing. Sure. I start listening to episodes and it's nothing like that. You are the most kind host, oh, wow. most open-minded person I've heard talk about all of these topics. And I have absolutely enjoyed your podcast. Wow. It's fantastic. Thanks so much. That's, that's really cool to hear. I mean, a lot of podcasters that are listening to this know that you kind of just start it and you don't necessarily need to know where it ends up. You just got to get going. And I started this podcast in July of 2020. Uh, we are in the heat of the pandemic. We've got the ugliest election we've maybe ever seen. And uh, the death of George Floyd had just taken place with the call for social reform going throughout the country. And it really started as like, where are reasonable voices here that are trying to listen to each other and not just convince people of why we're right or wrong? And so that's kind of where this whole millennial in the middle concept came up with is I'm a guy that is against extremism and ab extremism and absolutes, you know, and I said, can we bring people together and try and increase empathy and understanding. I love history. I usually, as a speaker, use history to kind of tell my stories and illustrate points a lot. So that's where it started. And, uh, you know, that's what people wanted to hear. But then as I realized I evolved as a person, my listeners grew and all of a sudden this mindset that for the first 20 episodes we applied to politics, all of a sudden we realized, 
whoa, this is everything. This is life. This is balance. This is communication, relationships, business. And that's kind of what it's uh, grown into. Wow. Yeah. Well, you've done a very nice job. The last episode I listened to was your episode that you did about transgender and you actually hosted oh, yeah. somebody. Mm-hmm. And I, what, what an amazing conversation. Yeah. How, how has it impacted you to hear some of these stories and, and kind of relate to people better? Yeah. You know, it's interesting you say that about that interview because I, I understandably was a little nervous with that, right? Like I'm putting myself out there and hitting record. And I had only uh, talked to Grant for about five minutes before we hit record. And so I, I think that's one thing I've learned a lot through this process is I've definitely had some guests on that I knew very well. I knew their story. They were personal friends. They've been a part of my life. And then, you you know, you try to kind of in the show, bring out stuff that you all know. And then you have these podcasts like the two of us, where we met each other 20 minutes ago. And I think what you find so quickly is two things. One, you have to listen and two, the power to connect. And I think as people, that's just everything for us, right? Like rather than wanting to be the one to talk first, listen, try to discover, try to empathize. And when you do that, I think the connections are have so much more depth, so much more authenticity, and you can have difficult conversations that you might think are a little out of your comfort zone, but if you approach it in the right way, they almost are never as scary as they might seem. Yeah. Well, you definitely approach it in the right way for sure. I, I thought of some of the questions you were asking and just thinking about myself personally, like I get awkward with like episodes of the office. Like I feel like there's <laughs> even that it's fake. It's, it didn't even happen. Yeah. And I'm like crawling Cringe. into my couch totally. And you were able to very respectfully ask genuine and honest questions, which as a listener, I really appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, uh, I had to work on my interviewing skills. I'm still not perfect at it. it it's an art. Uh, and I think the difference is, I mean, you're the same way you have episodes that are just you and you have episodes that you're interviewing someone and it's a different gear, right? And then you got to put yourself in that headspace. but I usually end up enjoying doing the interviews more, but I enjoy preparing for the solo episodes, yeah, right? Like yeah. that's where that growth comes. It's a great balance. When yeah. I was doing the solo episodes, I'd already done interview style episodes mm-hmm. for, Gosh, I don't know, a year. Okay. And so it took me four or five episodes to realize like, wait, I can still edit this. I can take a break and sure. grab a drink and edit a mistake. <laughs> it never even occurred to me until several episodes in like, oh, I don't have to nail this perfectly yes. all the time. One take wonder. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was trying, trying to be the hero. <laughs> um, before we talk a little bit more about interviewing style and storytelling, which again, we've already mentioned, I think you're excellent at, I would love to um, introduce the listener to your background and how you got interested in speaking and yeah. It sounds like you've always been very comfortable sharing your voice, obviously, with the singing background and, yeah. and and that kind of thing. Tell us a little bit about your you know journey through telling stories. Yeah. So I, I grew up as a little kid. I was a little always beyond my years. Like I, the worst insult you could give me as a kid is making me sit at the kid table at a family party. Like what an insult. And But I, I had this drive really early on to affect lives, to have an impact. Uh, and I, I loved being on stage. I like the bigger, the crowd microphone in hand is where I felt most comfortable. It, it's kind of strange. And so as a little kid, the only excuse I could find to get on stage was singing, performing. So that's what I did. And I always said, like, I was an entertainer before I was a singer, right? Singing was my key to get up there. And so as I started doing that, I mean, we're talking 12, 13 years old, uh, you know, put it out an album at that point, And all of a sudden I now had the opportunity to speak. Uh, 
And so all of a sudden now I was speaking and singing and doing those things. And I really felt a love and a connection with that. Um, and then as I went, you know, I've about finished with college and I was ready to go jump into the real world. Like I wanted to be a speaker at 12 years old. I said, I wanted to be a motivational speaker wow. when I grew up. Wow. I don't even know if I knew what that was. Right? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> but I think the problem that a lot of people in that boat run into is, well, what are you going to talk about? <laughs> At 21 years old, I didn't have any gray hair. I didn't have some incredible story or, you know, I've come from some background that was really compelling for a listener. And so I got my start in the speaking world by speaking for an established company. Uh, you know, I, I realized, well, uh, maybe I'll do the 10,000 hours thing backwards. And I went and spoke for a real estate training investment company, a seminar company that uh, basically spent five years on the road. I traveled for five years, 47 of 50 states, 10 plus countries, uh, you know, spent on average a night, like 22 nights a month in a hotel room. And, uh, but what that afforded me is I had the chance twice a day to have a group of strangers walk into a room that had their walls up that didn't want to trust me or like, why are we here? What are they selling me? What's the catch? Like all the red flags they're looking for. And I had 90 minutes to break down those walls and to win people over and to try to connect. And I learned so many lessons of, I mean, that is in the spotlight. It's almost like stand-up comedy in a way, right? Of like getting up there and learning. And, uh, so that's how I got into speaking. And then it's interesting how that's now, uh, you know, curtailed itself into different parts of my career, but those are the beginnings. Yeah. That's amazing. I've heard you answer this question before, and I think it's interesting to consider. We, we need to stay true to ourselves. Yeah. And within that, staying true to ourselves, we also have the opportunity to adapt, I'll say, to different audiences and get to know different guests. And I, I talk to people differently if I know they're from different countries, that they've got different backgrounds. Yes. How were you able to manage that and learn that skill? Talking to so many diverse audiences, that must have been something that was challenging in the beginning. Ah, great question. It, one, I, I learned so quickly how regional our country was. And, and because I was seeing it with this like immediate feedback loop of I'd spend three days speaking in Boston, like on Harvard campus and everyone's all serious and sophisticated. Then I'd be in Alabama the next day and I felt like a Baptist preacher and I got everyone, oh, mm, oh yeah, hallelujah, right? And they're laughing and to go from a crowd that would like be so jovial and laughy to all of a sudden so stoic, like it, you just learned how it didn't mean anything about them. It was just different ways in how we express ourselves and how we connect with each other. Uh, and then I would even see it within the cities we were in. Um, there was a moment that really stuck with me and I, I was speaking in the DC area and we had an event that was legitimately at the same hotel on the same day. We had an event at noon and an event at 6 PM. The noon event I spoke at, and there were probably, say, 100 people in the audience, 97 of them were black, three of them were white. Got up, speak, and it was all great. I'd come back for the 6 p.m. show, same event, same, ho same hotel, 97 white, three black. And I was like, what, what, what happened? Like, it was totally obvious, wow. you know, like I went, so I went and asked, well, I dug up a little research and like tried to find out like, how, how did they get there? And I realized that, you know, we had some events that were like TV advertised, some that were online, social media, others that were mailers. Well, I realized that these, both those events were for mailers and these two events were uh, marketed to different zip codes. Wow. 
And so just right there, that difference. And, uh, you know, growing up in Utah, the bubble, like a product there, all of a sudden the bubble was burst. And when you start like really addressing some of that, looking at it, not ignoring it, like I've just found great conversations have come from that when you approach it in the real way. And uh, yeah, it started out there on the road, meeting real people. Wow. And a lot of those skills have come you know, through on the podcast, I, I can see how sure. you're staying yourself and staying your authentic self, but really opening up to the person that's sitting in front of you. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. That's so interesting. So tell us why you chose podcasting as the way that you wanted to share content. Yeah. Really good question. So I ended up, I, I, I left the road, the job I was working in like 2018, uh, and kind of got start, got in the startup world. Uh, I was working with a company that, uh, worked a lot with social media influencers and brands and content creation and, uh, it did a lot on social media. And it was kind of a fit for me at the time. I created some of their curriculums and training. And, uh, so I, you know, started working for this company, but I wasn't getting as much of that that speaking vibe, you know, like all of a sudden I missed being on stage and then the pandemic takes place and live events shut down overnight. Right. And so you had, I mean, like my previous industry was basically destroyed due to the pandemic. And I think like a lot of us, we had to see it as an opportunity and to pivot. And so what did we all have in 2020? We had a lot of time, time. on our hands. We were bored. <laughs> time. And so I know I'm not the only podcast that started in the year 2020, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I all of a sudden was like, I love to speak. I love connecting with people. What if we try this? And, uh, I had a couple experiences that made it pretty obvious to me that I needed to do it. Uh, I, I probably would have, you know, going back, I maybe would have rolled out with 10 episodes and been a little more prepared, but I released the one episode when I'd only recorded one episode and it was <laughs> nice. just like, let's roll. And so that kind of turned into, it, it was COVID that pushed me to do that. And then I was blown away at how it quickly started to then take root into my professional career. Mm-hmm. I was all of a sudden networking. I was growing my audience. I was connecting with different types of people. And uh, now I'm actually like, I, I run a tech company now. I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Opt. And uh, it's all about helping people value their time, actually getting paid for meetings. And it's really in that goal of we have all these people now that are, they're scrappy, they're hungry, they're trying yeah. to figure out ways to make money that are, it's their passion, you know, and this whole passion economy that's going out now. And I, I love it. Like, I want to get behind that. I want to be an advocate of that, empower it. And I want to be an example of it. And I think over the last couple of years, I have been. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I agree. When I look back on that time, 2020, I remember a specific post from a fellow entertainer. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Jason Hewitt. Okay. Um, really good friend of mine. Um, he, he, you know, his, his bookings are $15,000 and, you know, performing, entertaining, sure. um, fantastic singer as well. And I remember it was equally like hysterical and horrifying at the same time when he made a post in April of 2020 that had a whiteboard and it was pure white of all his gigs in 2020 was zero. And he, he just could like laugh. That's all he could do is like, I have no gigs. I've got no income all of a sudden completely out of my control. And I really respect what he did. And it sounds like you did something similar. He adapted and where so many public speakers went and got jobs at home Depot or McDonald's, he said, okay, the landscape has changed. Let me set up this amazing environment literally in my living room where I can provide corporate, you know, entertainment virtually. And he's thriving. He's one of the few that came out of it thriving. And I I believe it was a similar attribute that you're describing, which is the ability to change and shift and adapt. Yeah. I I think you're spot on. And 
What's so interesting about that, the pandemic for me, I think the first thing we all realized is that we could work from anywhere. Yeah. And all of a sudden we bought into that, right? Like think about how many Zoom meetings do you have now compared to what you had in 2019, right? I met with my doctor this morning on Zoom. (laughs) When would I ever have done that, right? And, but I think as you look through that, all of a sudden we could work from anywhere. And then when it came time to go back to work, no one wanted to. That's right. That's what led to the great resignation. Like 50 million people quit their jobs last year because they said, there's got to be a better way. Wow. And they found a way to pivot. They found a way to get creative. And I think what allowed everyone to do that is the amount of people we can reach now is so much different than it's ever been before. And, you know, I, I use this example all the time and I know it's totally corny, but like, say here in Utah, like you were the leading expert in lizards. All right. You, if you're going to buy a pet lizard, like you are the dude to talk to for everything lizards. How does that guy work 10 years ago? Well, he probably gets a job at the local Petco and everyone that walks into the store, he's going to be the man for maybe other Petcos will call him, but that's about all he's limited to now. Anywhere in the world, if that, you know, fictional guy were all of a sudden able to market himself as the person you needed to talk to if you had a lizard, he could be on Zoom calls all day long, monetizing his time, sharing his knowledge. And now his potential market went from the people in his zip code to the world, literally anyone that speaks his language. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I, I didn't do anything with this the day that I heard it, but I remember back in 2018, it was an episode of Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who he was interviewing, but they were saying like, look, it's, it's 2018. There is no limitations. There's no rules like yeah. we had 20, 30 years ago. Sure. Do, do you want a side hustle? Get on YouTube, yeah. like start researching. Yeah. There are ways to do things. I think 2020 made that even better. And, and we do see that so many podcasts popped up at that time. And so many people that said like, I've got something to share. Let me, let me talk about this. Let me share yeah. this. And the people that have great content, like you mentioned before, and put this out there in an accessible way, I think they're thriving. Yeah. And I think what you said there is key of great content yeah. because now the fact is like the world is noisier than ever. If all of a sudden everyone can have a microphone, there's a lot of people talking at the same time. And so how do you find something that's unique to you? How do you stand out? What do you offer? You know, and I always think of that when I am putting together a podcast episode, like what insights are people going to gain after this episode's over? What's that one or two times you're like, Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Or I really liked that story. This hit me there. And if you're not providing those moments to your listeners, you'll lose them. That's right. Right. But if you continue to deliver insights and value, they'll continue to listen. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's why there's, what is it? Like 36% of podcasts have less than 10 downloads. And we talk about this all the time. (laughs) And I'm going to ask you the same question. You alluded to it earlier, but I'd like to reiterate. Mm -hmm. You have to know your why. Why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. Because it's expensive. It's time consuming. Mm -hmm. Um, The example we give all the time is if you and Shauna think it's cool on Tuesday afternoons to drink rosé and talk about your crazy cats. Like that's totally fine. And you should do that if you're passionate about that. But don't think that it's going to get monetized (laughs) anytime soon. And if if you have a really weak why of why you're doing something, it's, it's going to be very difficult to continue. And so mm-hmm. asking you specifically about your podcast, what was your strongest why? Yeah, uh, it's interesting you brought up monetization because I actually still to this point, I've chosen not to turn on monetization on my Sorry. podcast. Um, and so, I mean, I think the main thing I would say is if the monetization of your podcast is the only reason to do the podcast, don't do it. That's right. Right? That's awful. It's not going to work. 
but there has to be like that should be a cherry on top to the other benefits that it comes from. So, I mean, for me, there's definitely the philosophical connecting with people and empowering and bringing people together and having open conversations that I just know has inherent value. But I also look at it from my career. I mean, interestingly enough, I, uh, you know, I'd done this podcast for about a year, year and a half at this point. And then all of a sudden when I was kind of ready for my next opportunity business wise, I connected with someone that had listened to my podcast before. Mm. And he was, you know, basically trying to gather a team to put something together, uh, at Opt. It was, it was just him at that time with, a, with a generic idea and some money. And what I realized is I sat in like what kind of felt like an interview with him. We had a full day session. I realized he had listened to like 40 of my episodes wow. before this interview. And I realized, like, I didn't even know it, but that was my resume. That, by him listening to me speak for 40 hours, he took a peek inside my brain and how I thought and how I interacted with people and how I valued different things. And so all of a sudden it was like, we didn't really know each other, but I had put myself out there without even knowing it. And I think for a lot of podcasters, you'll find, like, you might never make a dollar and you might see that you have the same 30 people that listen to it every week and get a little discouraged, but you might not know, you know, that one person that reads it or whatever, or listens to it, what opportunities and what doors that might open. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's very well said. I love that. That's fantastic. So it's interesting to go into interviews knowing your people, like, like in this example, he watched all of your content, 40 hours of your content. Amazing. And, and I will do what I would consider a pretty high amount of research before we yeah. invite somebody on. And we'll do even more research before the interview. I want to create a unique conversation. Yeah. A lot of the people that we interview have done five of these podcast interviews like today or this yes. week. Yes. And so, yes. you know, I, I remember an episode we did with a really famous dude. He was on Rogan and I asked him the same questions that everybody else had asked him. And I got a really basic, similar interview. And I was really bummed out listening to the product afterwards. And so that said, I also appreciate, you know, I've, I've vetted you out and I've listened to your show obviously, but, but it's also fun to do what you said with Grant, which is like, let's invite you on. I'm not familiar with your story. Let me, let me, go along with the listener and let me be curious and let me ask questions because I don't know. And I don't know the answers. Mm-hmm. How, how do you think about those two things when you're preparing for your interviews? Yeah, I, I think that's an excellent question. You're right. There, there's definitely a balance between preparation, but also making it feel organic and raw and natural. Um, what I would say is I would have within what you do, a common theme or a common value or question line that is unique, right? So, cause you're right. You bring a lot of people on that they give the same interview over and over and over. And here's the one thing no one talks about with that. If your interviewee has walks away from the episode and goes, I've done that one 10 times. They're never going to share it. That's right. Right. They will only share the episodes where they go, that conversation was interesting. Like that was intriguing. And Hey, guess what? My audience go listen to me in this because you're going to hear a different side of me that you haven't heard before. Right. And so with that mindset, like one of the things I try to do is I have this whole concept about being in the middle. It means a lot of different things. We're in the middle of life. We're outside of the extremes. We try to avoid labeling and how do we enjoy that along the way? And so I will almost always bring that up as a part of the conversation. And it's interesting to see where that goes because often what I find is 
because they haven't had that interview before, it doesn't sound canned. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound rehearsed like, oh, I'm just going into the, here's my shtick. So I was 16 years old and I had the light bulb moment. And all of a sudden, when you break through that, now the whole feel has changed. And uh, so that's what I would say. I would say take what you do and still implement that in the episode. You don't want to just be a talk show host. Like be a part of the conversation, be active in it and let them be with there with you. Interesting. No, that's great insight. I love the idea of you finding ways to incorporate the middle into Mm -hmm. your show. That's your theme. That's your brand. That's your business. And that has been interesting to listen to your episodes and see how that flows because that Mm -hmm. can go very differently than I'm sure you expected. Um, I do want to talk about the skill of storytelling. Mm -hmm. And I often will tell my guests like, look, this is a show. Boundless body radio is a show about health and fitness. It's, it's not. Well, everything is health and fitness. We can talk about, we can make anything in health and fitness. This is a show about stories. And I want to connect with those deeper stories, whether they're yours or somebody else's. And because I think that's where you get the best connection. And, and again, you can relate that to any particular thing. How do you think about storytelling when you're approaching some of these interviews? Uh, stories are how we learn. Stories are how we connect with each other. It's what we remember. Like literally history was remembered because people would tell these stories over and over. And to me, I think it's, it becomes so much more real, right? And so, I mean, for me, where I struggled at the beginning was I was like, a lot of people, well, I don't know what my story is, or I don't have anything that interesting to say. And I got started by realizing, well, I have all the stories in the world I can go tell if I'm good at telling other people's stories, right? People that aren't here anymore. And so, like, I believe in this country specifically, we teach history wrong. We teach history as facts, figures, dates. Agree. And it loses all that personal connection. It loses the humanity, right? At the end of the day, history is amazing people that were put in extraordinary circumstances and watching how they reacted, what they did, what was their response, and then having the wisdom to now look at that and go, okay, how does that relate to us? How does that apply to what we do? And so what I found is if I was going to do 50 solo episodes in a year, I didn't have 50 amazing stories or a hundred because I should probably at least have a couple an episode, but I could pull it from there. So that's what I did in the solo episodes. And I treated it a lot of times like, you know, these people, if I were to interview them right here, what would it be like? And then I would say the same thing as an interviewer. When you have someone in that chair don't interview them in a way that you're going to get facts, figures, and dates or the bullet points of what their bio is. You know, of, oh, well, I, I started my first business at 16 and I learned a lot from that. A lot of people might go, okay, well, that's great. What next? And move on. But instead, well, hold on. You started business at 16. What was it that made you think that? And then all of a sudden that next question becomes, well, what did you learn? And diving into that rather than just popping over the bullet points, because in all those bullet points, there's so many stories and a lot of them might have a lot of uh, value to people if they heard them. Fascinating. It seems like you're really doing a great job trying to put yourself in that person's shoes because mm-hmm. you're right. You start a business at 16. You could gloss over that and move on with your next question, mm-hmm. but hold on. That's, that's unique. That's different. There's yeah. got to be something there. What inspired that? What was your childhood like? What were your parents like? There's yeah. a lot of different ways that you could get a deeper story that would be overlooked in a lot of cases. Yeah. I think you said it right. You can't think about yourself. If you're in an interview thinking about how you're going to tie it in or what you're going to say or what's going to happen, the focus is off them. 
And your job is to pull as much as you possibly can out of that interviewer, right? And so, like, trying to be really, really present and, you know, digging that one or two steps deeper, uh, often that's where the gyms are. Yeah. yeah. It's so interesting. I, I had maybe a good example of that earlier today. I interviewed a guy okay. who has 10 different concepts of health. Are you cheating on me? I'm your second interview. I know. The day. I'm sorry. Just sorry. Awesome. Sorry, man. I already, already had my first. <laughs> and so, so he, we're doing an hour long interview. He's got 10 different aspects of health that he likes to talk about. It's part of his branding. We do the first one. It goes seven minutes. We do the second one. It goes nine minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to panic my head thinking like, holy shit, like the last six, we're going to just have to do like, well, just tell me the name of the last six. But, but I, I'm glad I, I stopped myself and, and realized that he's really passionate about this and he's really mm-hmm. like going in depth because he's got something to share and it, yeah. it adds some really great nuance. And, and during the, during the conversation, I just realized like, let this go, do a second interview with this guy, sure. bring him back, go further in depth because he's, he's, you know, he's really explaining his passions. And I think a past version of me would have tried to force it in the way that I thought the interview was going to go rather than let it organically kind of play out. Oh yeah. And, and I'm sure you realize like you could have done 10 of them and blipped on all of them or dive into one or two. That interview is probably going to be so much more interesting than just, here's my list of David Letterman's top 10 things. Right. And I, you know, like really there needs to be substance. Yeah, that's right. And the hope is what you said earlier. Like, I don't know that this guy has ever been given more than one hour yeah. to, to talk about some of these things in greater depth. And he, he was super excited. And so this might be something that he's going to be really passionate and excited about and share around in his community, which he lives in Costa Rica, mostly Spanish speaking. That's an cool. area that I don't have a ton of influence and he does. So yeah. um, I think it's really important to keep that in mind as the host. This is, you are honoring your guests and trying to tell their story. Um, not just trying to fit it into whatever you think it should be. Agreed. Yeah. So interesting. I, I, I do want to talk specifically about some of the stories that you feel like really impacted you the most. When you think back, um, maybe there's two or three that are more recent or maybe they're more impactful or just what were some of the stories that you heard that, that you felt like, I'm going to say like you as a host were able to ask the extra question or go the little bit deeper to unlock something that was really special or was really unexpected? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and now I'm like slowly going through all the episodes in my mind and I'll, we'll go with recency bias here. Great. My last episode I released was actually with, uh, my business partner at Opt. And what's interesting with this one, I had worked with him now really closely for six months and I said, hey, I want to share your story. Let's get you in the podcast room. And so we'd spent hours together, but all of a sudden in that 45 minutes where we recorded an episode and all of a sudden like there was no work, no bid, no distraction. It was just like, I was there to pull it out of him. I learned more about him in that 45 minutes yeah. than I, than I had. And so like this was, he, he's kind of been a serial entrepreneur. One of his things that he actually would go in and buy bankrupt businesses and then go turn them around. And, uh, the first business he bought at 21 years old, he bought a failing cabinet business. That's right. I listened to this. Oh episode. yeah. For $30,000. Yeah. Right. And so he goes through this whole story and it's like, wow, like that is just kind of out of left field the way he says it. But then I, I started asking him, I'm like, okay, hold on. So I started doing a little critical thinking. I'm like, you'd walk into a failing business, keep all their employees, all their people. You come in as the you know new guy that's going to solve all the problems. Like I'm filling in the blanks here that you may not be liked, right? And he wouldn't have said that, but I'm all of a sudden like, so so how did you feel some resistance from these type of people? And all of a sudden he started talking 
And then what came out is he said, the, was he was talking about the importance of listening. And he said, what I found in business is when I went into a business, the less I knew about it, the better I was. And the more I knew I was going to help because I was forced to pull it out of them and help them find the answers rather than me going in and giving the answers. Wow. And I was like, I mean, just a mind blowing moment. Cause when would we ever think of that? But for me, that wouldn't, that insight wouldn't have come if it would have just been like, Oh, so you had that cabinet business. That was really cool. And now tell us about your next venture. Yeah. Now tell us about this. Putting myself in those shoes, in that situation, like you said, and imagining, well, what, what would make that hard? Right? What would make that difficult? And then asking those types of, you know, why was it hard? How did you respond? Were you scared? Um, and then in that same episode, here's a guy who sold like 16 businesses and all this. And then all of a sudden I ask him about, he makes a comment where he's like, and you never really feel like you make it, but let's, and I'm like, wait, wait, stop. I'm like, what do you mean you, you never feel like you make it? And he goes, well, you know, when I sold my for when I sold a company for this, I thought that when I do that is I'd pull it off. And then when I said, well, if I sell a business for more than $20 million, then I'll feel like I've done something. He's like, and I did. And I still felt like an imposter. I didn't. And we got into like some real emotions of him feeling like all of us at times inadequate and not enough and trying to be better and comparing ourselves with others. And again, just that power of listening and feeling for emotion, not just storyline. I love it. Yeah. There were two things that really stood out in that interview along the lines of what you were saying. I thought this was a fantastic question. It didn't immediately occur to me as he was explaining it, mm -hmm. but you asked him, why didn't you just start your own business? Why oh, did you yeah. buy another business? I was like, that good question. Why would you do that? Yeah. And, and we often like, why is one of the greatest questions, right. right? So often we ask what or how, but well, why? Okay. Why did you buy a banker? Like you could have gone and started your own thing. That wasn't a dumpster fire. Right. And you could almost tell it's funny. You say that he didn't get asked that very often because nope. that's just part of his story. And he was like, well, because it was faster. <laughs> He's like, that's a great answer I, too. They already had all the stuff and they knew what they were going to do. And I could have gone and started cheap. my own business and it would take what would have taken way longer, but this was faster. And I was like, there it is. And again, just those, you have these moments again and again where people will just like drop these little clues and hints. And, and this just isn't just podcasting or interviewing. This is in relationships with people, right? It is so easy to have surface relationships. It is so easy to, Hey, how's it going? Good. What's new? Not much. Can I tell you how many times I answer not much to what's up? And that is the biggest lie ever. Right? Like there's actually been times where I'm like, what's going on? Oh, not a whole lot. Oh, really? And I'm like, well, actually, I, <laughs> a lot going since on. I've talked to you last, the last two months, this has happened this and this and this, but we just get so in a hurry and pad. And I think we just got to slow down and listen to each other and find out who we really are and then help connect with others. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great answer. The other part of the interview that really struck me was the part that you referenced at the, at the end when you learned that this guy on a pedestal, selling businesses, mm -hmm. hugely successful, has imposter syndrome. Yeah. The same thing that makes me not want to push record on my own voice. Mm -hmm. and, and we all experience it. And I love that he was able to go there and you were able to ask the right questions. And you stayed with that topic for a little while to help understand. Like, even you said, like, this is validating. This, mm -hmm. it's nice to hear. 
hear that I'm not the only one dealing with this, that people, you know, that we think of as very successful and crushing it in life. Well, you know, they've got challenges too, and it might be very difficult for them as well to put their voice on things. And so I, I really appreciated those two points. I think that highlights how a good interview can be conducted yeah. with those listening skills and asking interesting questions. I don't know if there's a better example than what you just gave right there of listening to your own voice and hitting play. It's something that most people can't do. I remember when I was 12 years old, I recorded a song for the first time as a singer and I got back, you know, I was all excited. I've been singing for years now, mom and dad, everyone, oh, you're the best. And I listened to this song and I'm like, there's been a problem with this recording. That's not my voice. Who snuck in and recorded this, right? And I mean, honestly, it was like three days where I was so in my head because that's not how I thought I sounded, literally, right? And Grant, I was 12 years old, so this was pre-puberty. I got like Michael Jackson, Donny Osmond pipes <laughs> in the area. Going, so I'm like, I sound like a girl. And, but at that moment, I, luckily I had it now because I can't tell you how many people I'll have on as an interview if they're not used to it and they're like, Oh, that's what I sound like. That's awful. But what a great lesson in life. Like you are perceived differently than how you perceive yourself. Don't be afraid of that. Mm. Listen to it, right? Like if you can't listen to a recording of yourself, that's what the whole world is hearing. In fact, everyone other than you. That's right. So be aware. And I think podcasting really increases your own self-awareness, especially if you do that hard thing of listening back to yourself, mm. because all of a sudden it's just like rapid fire seeing how you as a person represent yourself and how you connect with others. And it, it we're really critical of ourselves, right. but uh, you know, it ends up being a thing that if you are, if you're working on that, that's a good thing to work on. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And for the listener who doesn't host a podcast, you say, um, just as much as we do. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, people, this is crazy. When I was out speaking, I, I would give a very similar presentation all the time, right? Like I had the same content to cover. And so it would be really hard to make it seem like it wasn't wrote or memorized. I used to fake ums and ahs. Legit. Wow. I would fake ums and ahs because it was real. Mm. It was believable, right? Like I could have done that presentation with my eyes closed and just like had, you know, just been so smooth. Like you just hit record on it. But I realized that's not real. Interesting. And so, I mean, I know that sounds now really inauthentic, like saying you fake them, but basically this point of, let yourself, let your listeners, let people that you're connecting with see the real you. Hmm. And, and I think there's value to that. So yeah, ums show that you're thinking. What's wrong with that? That's such a great point. Yeah. I love that you went there with that. We're in this amazing sound studio and we've talked about content and we've mm -hmm. talked about quality. How yeah. much weight do you put on your content versus the sound quality that goes into your productions? Yeah. Uh, at the beginning, just start. Right. Focus on content first. The quality will be easier to figure out later. Right. Uh, so don't go buy a, you know, $3,000 worth of podcast equipment before you figured out what you're going to talk about yeah. or who you're going to talk to. Right. Focus on content first, but then quality is, I think, what takes you to the next level. Uh, so I mean, like, 
we talked about this before we hit record, but my first episode, I recorded at my parents' house with my iPhone up with a Yeti microphone that, and then I was like, I didn't even know how it worked. I released the first episode with what the iPhone had recorded that bad. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and I look at that now. I've had a lot of people say to me, and especially as my podcast has really evolved and changed and I've taken different directions with it, they're like, why don't you start over? Why don't you start fresh? Why, like, Do you still want them to be able to hear those episodes two years ago? And I'm like, that's my story. Yeah, That's my journey. That's me. So yeah, I, you probably don't care about the presidential debate that happened in 2060 or whatever, right? But why would I like be embarrassed of where I came from. And so why I say that is when I started having video that looked really good, as we created the studio and I started recording here, nothing had changed with my podcast other than the quality. And I started getting bombarded by people going, whoa, your show is blowing up. What is happening? Like I can tell you are just crushing it right now. And it was all perception, mm. right? But I think that there's actually some value in when people see that you start to take it more serious, they'll take you more seriously as well. And I, I felt a lot of positive benefits as I put more focus in quality uh, of content and the production of it. Yeah. Interesting. Another thing that I really appreciate about you, especially with a musical background, your voice, your voice is fantastic, but you know how to flow your voice and intonate your voice in a way that keeps me very engaged. I I hear other people talk and maybe even if they do like solo shows Mm -hmm. where it's just that, that one level the whole time. And I just, I find myself like zoning out. I can't focus on it. So for somebody that maybe never got any kind of formal education about voice, you know, coaching itself, like what, what, tips and tricks would you give to somebody that that wants to get better at the art of speaking oh i love this question how much time do we have <laughs> no you're totally right and and singing is where i learned to speak as crazy as that is um and singing and speaking would be the same thing here but there are three things that you can control you can control your speed your pitch and your volume those are the only tools you have right and so all of a sudden You can work on all of them individually. And the key is to use, uh, to play with it, right? To have it be fun, have it be, you know, have your moments where you're talking quiet and people lean in and you can feel a lead, like, what's he about to say, right? And have that be the most important part. And then have those times where you're loud and you're having fun and you're excited and you're giving high fives and you take them on this journey with you. And I think your voice is what helps people feel emotion. And feel like, like, ah, this is compelling. This is interesting. So, I mean, I, I'm not perfect at it. I, I love it. I think it's fun. We talk about Matthew McConaughey. Like, why is he so fun to listen to? Because he sounds like he's singing when he's talking, when he's telling a story. And you're just like, this guy's got me on the edge of my chair. And so, you know, if you're going to get really technical with that, it's those three things. Speed, pitch, and volume. Um, and then the other tip that I would give is when we get nervous, our voice does two things. We speak faster and we speak higher. And you can hear when someone sounds nervous because, well, I'm not really quite sure what I'm doing here, but I got like that moment. It feels a little panicked. It feels stressed. You don't feel that they're confident. And so why would you trust them? So the one thing I tell myself whenever their nerves are butterflies, low and slow. Mm. 
And again, with that perception, if you feel like you're talking really low and you feel like it's really slow, it's not as bad as it probably sounds. But like, I'll find time. If I get really excited, I'm amped up. I will live in this space. Then it's like, whoa, okay, slow down. Like step into my body. All of a sudden that voice is coming from, there's more depth. There's more richness to it. That doesn't mean you can't do the Owen Wilson highs, but like you've got to, you can reconnect in those times where you feel yourself losing it low and slow. Yeah. Those are great tips. I think those are really practical and I think we could all benefit from that. Sure. I, I do want to know how has podcasting enriched your day-to-day life? Hmm. Um, as an actual, as an actual podcaster, or are you saying listening to them as well? Either way. Okay. Um, as far as my day to day, I think, I think it's definitely helped in my relationships. Uh, as I've become a better listener, I, I feel that like I have all the, com- I have like real conversations all the time now that I'm like, damn, that would have been a good podcast episode. <laughs> like I would have loved to have recorded that. So I think there's definitely been a, a realness of that, that I've enjoyed. Um, secondly, from a day to day thing, like it, 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 with any type of entertainment, if you're going to speak in front of a stage or sing or whatever, like you're giving them an immediate reaction. It's being viewed or seen right then. And then you're getting compliments or whatever. Oh, that was awesome. And I loved that or whatever, right in that moment. And then it's kind of done. The cool thing about podcasting is you put that content out there and it never dies. It lives. It's always there. So what day to day is really cool is like for me to sit down with you here today and I've never met you. And I know that we've spent time together over the weekend because you listened to me and for you to say, Oh, that episode that you did there, I recorded that a year ago. Like that's out of sight, out of mind, but to all of a sudden be like, Oh, you on Saturday, listen to that conversation I did a year that's ago and it me. helped you today. Right. Like th- there's a really cool factor to those constant little things. And, and just hearing from people like, Oh, I listened to that the other day and I, I loved this. It's like, Thanks. And so rather than this immediate reaction, it's this slow burn a little bit that, uh, that's been really cool. That's so cool. Yeah. Dude, I love that. This is normally our last, uh, question that we ask. Okay. It's not going to be today. We're going to have a special close. Okay. Um, but I do want to ask where can people go to find you and connect with you and connect yeah. with your podcast? Yeah. Social media is the easiest way, honestly. So go follow me, Connor Dolan. Uh, I'm the only Connor Dolan in the world, so it's not hard to find me. ConnorDolan.com. I have all the links to my podcast and things like that. Uh, and then my company, uh, for those of you that have some sort of skill or expertise, I'm guessing if you host a podcast, podcast, then you've got something that people are willing to talk about. And my goal is to help people monetize their passion and monetize their time. And so opt is a free app that allows you to basically set a price and send a link to someone and it handles the booking, the confirmation, the scheduling, all of that. Uh, and it's free. So I, I tell people go to opt me, O P T me like Venmo me.com. Um, and it's actually pretty cool. We've built this over the last three months and it is launching on Monday. So I don't know when you're putting this episode out, but I bet it's already out by the time this thing airs. So reach out and like, I'd love to hear your feedback on that. So it's cool to see this come together, you know, of all of a sudden I can speak and be a subject matter expert on this stuff and actually provide a tool 
that hopefully it helps. That's so cool. Yeah. What about people locally around here in Utah? Like mm-hmm. if they wanted to come and check out the studio, yeah. how can they do that? Yeah, great question. So it's studio with two eyes. We do it capitalized, and the two eyyes are actually a pause symbol. So that's what ah. that logo is. Yeah. Kind of just slow down. Take a second. Nice. Take a second. Look into it. Uh, but yeah, we're located right here in Lehigh. We have a couple podcast rooms. We have a place to film Talking Heads. We have an infinity wall. Uh, it's a great place to host like a mastermind or workshop. Uh, our warehouse area with stage can host a uh, hundred people comfortably, maybe 200 max, but uh, that's uh, we, we are open for event booking and stuff like that. And you can just go to studio.com, S-T-U-D-I-I-O.com uh, or reach out to me individually. And if you want to come in here and record or work on collaborating on some projects and uh, my business partner that runs the day-to-day of studio, Landon, by the way, is an incredible creative. And if you need photos and video and reels or whatever it might be. Uh, yeah. Ch- hit us up. All of the stuff that podcasters need. I mean, all of the stuff that people trying to get their message out there, yeah. uh, need. Yeah. Uh, I, I always say the problem is we have a lot of people out there that know, but they're not known. Like yeah. they know that they know something, but they're not known enough to make it their thing. And so what do you know? And how do you become known for it? Mm. Yeah, I love that. Well, Connor, we never end our episode with music, but we're going to today. Oh, we're going to no. end. <laughs> this is, this, I'm on your show. You can't make <laughs> Absolutely me do not. This. We are definitely <laughs> making you close our show the way you close Millennial in the Middle, which again, for the listener, I highly recommend. You have very yeah. vulnerable and genuine and impactful conversations. I really appreciate it. I listen regularly to very few podcasts, and this sure. is something I'm going to keep on my list. I'm going to be tuning in. Cool. I recommend the listener do that as well. But if you don't mind, if you could close us out. I will, but before I do it, hey, thanks for having me on the show. I love what you're doing to all of you listening. Casey does a fantastic job. I'm so impressed with your research, how you approach this interview. This was totally comfortable. This is totally fun. So this is great. You're a pretty great interviewer well, too. So keep that up. Keep up the good work. If to all of you out there, keep going. Now to end the show. Clowns to the left me. Jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. You didn't join me though, Casey. No. Come on. <laughs> See you guys. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to the How to Make a Podcast podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a rating and review on Apple. Also, be sure to check out the show that made all of this possible, Boundless Body Radio, where we provide tons of helpful and informative content, feature incredible guests, and talk all about health and wellness. Cheers, and thank you for joining us on the How to Make a Podcast podcast.